Welcome to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys looking to model positive Christian leadership in our work, families, church, and communities. Want to discover ways to apply scripture effectively in everyday life? Tired of the pat answers in Sunday school? Then settle in for a gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny Christian podcast. And now, No Church Answers. And welcome, everybody. This is No Church Answers, a Christian roundtable discussion for men. You know, this is podcast number 296, hard to believe. And we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around, bang. Not sure where you ended up, spin it around, find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. And that is where we are. Uh, we are not pastors. We're just regular guys and each on our own spiritual journey meeting daily challenges just like you. And that's why we're here. We're having a Christian discussion for men. And unlike others, we aren't taking any church answers. And we're glad that you've joined us. You know, this podcast has been called Deliberately Provocative and Unexpectedly Funny. So we're so glad uh, you took the time to check us out. Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and at nochurchanswers.com. So you can Rate our podcast and leave a review there. And of course, without your involvement and your support, none of this would be possible. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to introduce the fellows at this time. He is a former world-class policy writer, a current professional gambler. He's the show producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Yo, hey, hey, A former prosecutor, an attorney, kind of the group historian. We still call him the judge, Michael Cropper. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. Mike. Hi guys. Hey, uh, a corporate trainer, which is kind of like a commercial strength teacher, uh, kind of the group theologian. We call him the professor. It's Robert Koshu. Welcome back, hey, Robert. Robert. Everybody. And my name is Bill Cox, and basically, I am a salesman and kind of an indie filmmaker kind of stuff. So, with that, we are in limping with God. Uh, book by Chad Bird. We've been it for uh, a number of uh, weeks, and this is just awesome. And uh, what I'm going to do is uh, I want to go go ahead and throw this over to uh, Steve Titch to catch us up. Yeah, uh, thanks, Bill. Uh, Limping with God, Jacob and the Old Testament Guide to Messy Discipleship. We're going to do, as they say, a time jump. Um, last week, we, uh, we began looking at the, the very familiar story of Joseph, who was Jacob's uh, favorite son, uh, son of Rachel, one of two, Jacob and Benjamin. Benjamin at this time, uh, when we left off, was just a baby. And uh, as the story goes, Joseph uh, was rather spoiled. Uh, he, his father doted on him. He had a very nice, ornate coat, supposedly a coat of many colors. Brothers didn't like it, so uh, they ganged up on him and thought about killing him but instead stole him into slavery and he and joseph went down to egypt and uh we can't cover it here i know robert has favorite stories there but there are all sorts of trials and tribulations for joseph while he's there but in the process 20 years he rises to being uh pharaoh's right hand man and so when we rejoin the story of jacob and I, i'm going to give this a little more from jacob's point of view uh, there is a famine in the land, and uh, Joseph still has a, a you know a lot of wealth, but you know, as a famine's going, it's going to deplete it. There's, and so he needs wheat, and Egypt, in part because of Joseph's dream interpretation, his gift from God, Egypt has a lot of wheat, and they're selling it. So Jacob sends some of his sons, in fact, all of his sons except Benjamin to egypt to, to on a trading trip and when they come back from jacob's perspective the results were somewhat unsettling his sons bring back wheat bring back the wheat he wanted and the silver he allocated to pay for it and now jacob needs more wheat because that depleted and there's this mysterious egyptian official in charge and he told his sons on the first trip that if you come back, you got to bring their youngest son, the youngest brother, Benjamin. And he's got to accompany the party on any follow-up trip. Now, Jacob fears for the boy's safety. 
I'm sure he remembers what happened to Joseph. And, you know, we can talk about this, guys, but I wonder if by now, there's 20 years, he's pretty much glommed on to it didn't quite happen the way the boys said it did. Uh, he still believes Joseph is dead, of course. He might have, you know, he was off with the boys. He didn't come back. And all they brought back was a bloody coat. And Mama Rebecca didn't raise no dummies. So Joseph, uh, Jacob really does not want to send his youngest son and the only other son by Rachel down to Egypt. But he's really got no choice in this matter. Circumstances are forcing his hand. He's where no man wants to be, uh, out of options, out of control. So, Bill, I'm going to let you pick up the story with the first reading. Excellent. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and read it. It's from Genesis 43, 1 through 14. Now, the famine was still severe in the land. So when they had eaten all the grain they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go back and buy us a little more food. But Judah said to him, the man warned us solemnly, you will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go down because the man said to us, you will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. Israel asked, why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had another brother? They replied, the man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your father still living? He asked us, do you have another brother? We, we simply answered his questions. How were we to know he would say, bring your brother down here? Then Judas said to Israel, his father, send the boy along with me and we will go at once so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him here before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. As it is, if we had not delayed, we could have gone and returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, if it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bags. Take them down to the man as a gift. A little balm with a little honey, some spices and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the amount of silver with you, for you must return the silver that was put back into the mouths of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once. And may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man so that he will let your other brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. Steve. No man likes to be out of options. You always want to be in control. That's one of our you know, one of the idols we're sometimes blind to. Uh, we got to be in control. We got to know what we're going to do next. And when we don't, we feel vulnerable. We feel all the more vulnerable when, when not only, you know, is it out, of, we're out of options. We have, we, we, we can't control what's going on and we don't know what to do about it. But as Chad writes, that's when God is getting ready to do his best work. Well, yeah, when, of course, when you don't, <clears throat> you don't see any way out, of course, it's going to take uh, something that would be, you would consider supernatural because you didn't think of it. You know, uh, you've thought of every logical, anything that was close um, that you or, or worked in the past. And, you know, then you come, you know, down to your wit's end, you know, uh, Professor Koshu. Well, it, it, it's interesting because Steve, Steve semi-glossed it over about the silverback in the back, but they brought the silverback too. So they, after the whole incident, where jo they meet Joseph. And Joseph, they don't recognize him because, hey, it's been 20 years. And my bet is, in addition to all that, you have to remember by now, Joseph probably looks like an Egyptian and dresses like an Egyptian. 
And talks like an Egyptian. Yeah, and and, and talks like an Egyptian. <laughs> he, well, he, he, they, they talk about him using an interpreter. So he's yeah, yeah. So he's very much you know an Egyptian. So they don't recognize him. And after all the questioning, he gives him the grain. Basically, slips the silver back into his bag, and they head back home. And when they get their first stop, they open the bags up, and the silver's there. And, and the brothers kind of have a mild freak out because they're like, oh, my God, this guy tricked us. He's going to say we stole it, so he's going to come and kill us, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't do that, and they get home. And now they're and now Joseph is like, you had one job, pay for grain, bring grain back. You came back with cash. What the heck? You know, then you told the kid guy you had a brother – and of course, the crazy Egyptian man, because Egypt, Egypt is the power. And everybody's wondering, why does Egypt have this is not a like a famine in Israel and nowhere else or the Holy Land where Judah and them are. This is like a famine that is that entire fertile crescent area. And famine's not a picture we get in our heads, but that but here's something you can picture. How many of you remember? Going to HEB at the beginning of the pandemic. HEB is our local Texas grocery store. No. Nope. I will give you a clue as to how Texans are. The meat case was empty. They were still fully stocked up in Boca Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> but, I said I'm carrying out pellets of toilet paper. Did you all see that? That, that too. But, but I mean, you have to think back to something like that. But picture, it's not just the meat case is empty, but... You know, there ain't nothing in the store to eat. You know, there may be one loaf of bread that you and your you and five families are gonna buy and divvy up among yourselves, but that's not something we're accustomed to in our modern world that we hear. And and I'm betting, Bill, that they probably rationed out that grain as long as they could, because like Steve said, and Bill said, this is a position no man wants to be in. The guys are supposed to go back to the this go, the food governor or the food pharaoh, whatever you're going to call yeah. it. He the dude is, with the food. Gone to number two. In fact, he is essentially number one in Egypt. The scriptures tell us that Pharaoh has turned over everything to Joseph. So Joseph is is essentially the pharaoh himself, uh, and and all he needs to do is rubber stamp any big change in the kingdom. Otherwise, he he acts for Pharaoh. Now he's ornery. Uh, he he has to decide whether or not his brothers get food or not, and he sees them coming and recognizes them, right? So I, I say he's ornery and feisty because he set this plot up ahead. As soon as he sees them, he remembers what they did to him. We want to say, oh, how ungodly, how mean of him. But boy, oh boy, boy, I think to myself, in fact, I thought that. I said, here he's supposed to be a godly man. Why isn't he forgiving his brothers? But he sent them home the first time, believing that that they're going to get in big trouble, like you said, Robert and Steve, because mm -hmm. he put the, the money back in their bag. He he does punk them somewhat. I mean, he yes. gets Ruben he, in no, jail for a while. Plotted, uh, he's got he, this plotted out great, and he and, knows they're going to be back because he knows oh, yeah. the famine's going to be for yep. seven years. So yeah. they don't know this. He didn't tell them that God told him <laughs> to yeah. him. So well, the, so, the thing about it is also with that. <clears throat> It takes it, that's an arid region, and so it takes management in order to get crops regularly in out of an arid region. You have to leave it to fallow, so it will go ahead and collect moisture before you plow. You can't you can't farm it every year. You just can't do it because you'll farm the moisture right out of what little moisture there is in the ground. You'll farm it right out of it. You know, and the thing about famine, which is terrible, is that you have to hold back a certain amount of seed um, a certain amount of grain to be seed for next year people are so hungry they will eat that seed because it's the same stuff um mm. and, and then you'll have no crop to plant for next year there will be nothing so i mean you'll go from being bad to worse I, I want to bring up something here because of the situation where Jacob is in, which I just thought of. And I'd like to maybe start with Robert, but, but kick it around, because here's where I think we can connect maybe both to to our experience and maybe even a little bit with the pandemic and everything that happened there. Jacob was a wealthy man. 
he was a he was a patriarch, but he's, he was a wealthy man, and now he's dealing with, in this case, a famine. But we could read it as ours as a serious recession or even depression, where there's there there's there's no food, where the the price of food is high. He has to go. He has to send away for it, which which already puts him in a better position than perhaps a lot of his neighbors. He has he has the 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 he the has means and the means at right. to get more. But you know, this is to me is. He's he's already in a bad mood for 20 years. He's he's looking at his portfolio drop like we all do. And you know, right. he's wondering right. wondering what the heck. Well, let me, and let me and, and he's uncertain. And this is again, but you know, it's interesting. We we know how it ends, but he's sitting there. I know he I can compare him to someone like me who's watching, oh, the the this 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 pandemic. The market is crashing. We're losing value. Meanwhile, I'm having to spend more. I mean, I'd like to know how much this relates to, you know, men today. But real, before you go into that, real quick, does, does if there's a famine, there's no grass for the sheep and animals, is there? So they have to no. eat the wheat too, or they have to, he has to bring back. Well, food. they die. That's that's the the. Yeah. You, well, no, it says he took them with him to 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 Egypt. He said he took all his. Yeah, know, he has. He has them, but 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 I guess I'm saying enough. You can you look at even famines, modern day. I mean, or else are situations where they have to like drought. Where they have to, it, a drought causes this famine. Uh, um, so so, so with the animal, the animals will die too if if he doesn't eventually give them yes this grain as well. So like you said, Steve, his portfolio is going to yeah, and and he's faced and and a good point because. He's up against time. He can't sit yeah, around absolutely. debating whether Benjamin can go with these guys. He doesn't want them to. He has he and he, his 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 unknown son at this point. Joseph is is extending a very long arm to influence his life because and you know. Nobody, he's over a barrel and nobody likes that. And he does not know who this guy is. And and we were talking about it, whether, whether or not Pharaoh made him number one or not, de facto, he controls the food distribution, the grain distribution. Well, pretty much over the known world of that time, there is no other food source. He's, he's even better than OPEC right now. So you've, You've yeah. got to you you've you like like well to extend that like sometimes we have resented in the past the way uh, OPEC can just raise prices, cut off the oil flow, reduce it, which you know, and 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 you feel you feel you know you get mad. What what's he doing this to the USA for? We're a powerful country. This is what what Jacob feels like. Yeah. Well, and 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 we have to remember that. Once again, we're getting sanitized. It wasn't Jacob and 12 kids living by themselves. This is Jacob. I think all the wives are dead at this point. I, I, I kind of get this feeling because they're not mentioned, at least Jacob's wives. But all the boys have wives. And there are servants and slaves. This is like a small community that Jacob is basically mm -hmm. responsible for. Mm -hmm. And so he has to deal with that. But yeah, it, it's like you said, Steve, this is a this is a classic. I'm a guy. I'm in charge. And then all of a sudden we're reminded we're not in charge. We like we like to think we are, but we're really not. It's on, on one level. And yeah, that is true. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders, are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is No Church Answers. We are 
Living with God, a text that is written by Chad Bird, uh, talking about Jacob. And with that, we're going to go ahead and we have a another reading I'm going to go ahead and get into right now. This is Genesis 45, 1 through 9, 21, 25 through 28. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and the Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brother, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Though, So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. So the sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them carts as Pharaoh had commanded, and he also gave them provisions for their journey. So they came up out of Egypt and came to their father, Jacob, in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he is ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned, and he did not believe them. But when they had told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. It's like the wind comes back and fills his sails. All of a sudden, all the depression and stuff. And life itself will wear you down. But the power of hope is absolutely amazing. And I think that's what we have here. Exactly. That's a, what, what Chad Bird pulls a, a, a term coined by J.R.R. Tolkien. Eucatastrophe. Go look it up. I'm not going to try to spell it. Eucatastrophe. Uh, it's a massive turn in fortune from an unseemingly uncomfortable situation uh, that turns it into an unforeseen victory, usually brought about by grace rather than heroic effort. Think of, you know, Lord of the Rings, uh, the uh, the siege of Helm's Deep. Uh, it looks like the forces of Suriman and the orcs are going to basically overrun Helm's Deep. And over the hill comes Gandalf and the riders of Rohan. Uh, it's set up nicely, but it is, you know, look to the east. It is a sudden, whoa, everything's great again. The, uh, uh, and um, it's, it's, and it's, it's joy. It's unfounded joy. Um, and yeah, and it, it, it lifts all clouds. And, and here, Jacob really, uh, 20 years of sadness, of, of, of bitterness is gone almost in an instant, if, if we want to read this as literally as we can. It's like the prodigal family. Instead of the <laughs> prodigal son, mm -hmm. it's the prodigal family. We're, we're back, the, dude. The, the author and the, and the scripture seems to say that the eucatastrophe extended to the brothers, but I don't think it did, because when Bill read the scriptures, it said when he told them I'm Joseph, they were terrified. I mean, they were like, oh, my God, he's going to get us for what we did to I, him. Now, now, Joseph, I can believe that Jacob was eucatastrophe. 
you catastrophe, and I can believe Benjamin was too. <laughs> Benjamin was very happy, but I can't imagine the brothers because we go through the next period of time, and right before their father dies, or after, in fact, after Jacob dies, the brothers go to Joseph and say, Dad told us to be sure that you know that he has forgiven us. He wants you to forgive us. He, I mean, I don't blame the, I mean, it's, but, but we also see in Joseph's story where, where he was when he, when we left him, when he got, well, where he was when the yeah. brother, when he left the brothers, he was, we looked at him that it seemed to imply he was spoiled. He was, he was taking credit for a lot of things. I dreamed this. You're going to bow down to me. He made it very much about himself. Here, 20 years later, he's clearly grown up and seen the work God has done and, and attributed to them and, and becomes very gracious, which in, in Jacob's family, I think that's okay, a good if idea. He's, <laughs> if he's very gracious, why in the world did he make them go home and keep Simeon and tie him up right in front of him before they left. Well, didn't he's he release him after a few he days? This torture for I, them. Well, okay? yeah. This I'll let the other guys talk about it because it is he does punk them. There's no question. Yeah, yeah, that. boy, he does. He does punish them, and then they go and they're gone like six months or so without Simeon, and he makes them. He scares the crap out of them. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Uh, but yes, I, I, I don't think they ever get over that, except Benjamin never had anything to worry about. But I don't think the brothers ever get over that. But uh, uh, it is definitely a, a happy thing. And and, and I, I might say this, Bill, I, I don't know how you felt, but I think whenever you realized Beverly was getting well, was that sort of a catastrophe feeling to you? Um. I mean, no. you came. Uh, it was a no, amazing difference I mean, in the it, turnaround it, it, when you came it, to church and told the us. The thing about it is, it's a. Uh, as far as that, um, I feel that she's turning around a little bit, but it's 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 slow progression as opposed with, you know, okay. an immediate an immediate change. Um, I you know I look at this and uh, understand this. Joseph predicts that there's going to be five more years of oh, yeah. famine. So, of course, these guys are not going to uh, disturb the relationship that they have with Joseph because they're going to need grain for, you know, five more years. And mm -hmm. that that's a huge that's a huge commitment for a country to make to outsiders. And. But if you look back in history, the reason why they did uh, for famines that countries would uh, allocate uh, resources for neighboring countries is so they wouldn't be inundated by immigration, by people that were just hungry, you know. And so that's what they did. They would, you know, they would, you know, help the, the people around them um, to kind of keep the peace. Well, coming yeah. come back to Steve raised earlier, Steve raised, raised the point, who knows, Jacob and his family may not have had the amount of money to pay for food for the next five years. Uh, Man, and many of the people, didn't, as we go along, as you go along the story right. of Joseph, many of the Egyptians run out of money after a couple of years and they don't have money to pay for their groceries and their, their wheat and everything, their families. So that's a long time to have to pay for. Well, food. a lot of people well, are he a lot does of do about famines and stuff is that the first one of the first things to go is the livestock you know yep. and yeah, so what yeah. they do they they don't wait till they die they butcher them they'll butcher them so all of a sudden you know there'll be some cheap meat out there but then you have no breeding stock yeah yeah okay. um, i we we it's in there we did not read it but it is because we're going to follow up with it but um joseph invites them all back uh he promises them right. land i mean this is this right. is the beginning of the whole uh migration to egypt uh yeah. but he says come he he offers he essentially offers and it is it's extended seems that's basically to to jacob and the the israel clan his personal protection uh he is there he is their progeny but he's 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 you know one 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 heartbeat from pharaoh um, and so he prom he says he invites them back down. He says, "Go home, 
you know, take everything, come back, come back with, with dad um, and I'll give you land, which I, again is, and we'll talk about this, I think in the third segment, but he here, they're, they're given, he's offering protection. He's offering them to take them out of this famine situation uh, preserve what they have, the livestock, the which which really was the measure of wealth at that point. Um, their 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 households, everything can come down. Bill saying, yeah, you, you countries probably did want to regulate a little of this. Well, and the so, uh, fan, yeah, fantastic point about this is the land of Goshen is in the delta of the Nile. So uh -huh. whenever. Pharaoh told them you can have the best of the land for your family. They can bring their cattle, their livestock, and everything. As I as I understand it, it's been a while since I read it, but Goshen, there's a big delta flowing from the Nile River. So if it's flowing at all, there's going to be grass and there's going to be vegetation right. for the cattle and livestock. So anyway, that, just want to say that. So God really prepared for his whole family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and Bill's right, and and it's a double whammy because you kill. You slaughter your livestock so you have something to eat so you stretch the food but you kill your breeding stock yeah yeah and, and you and and you kill the animals because what are the animals going to do <laughs> they're going to die yeah. well they're, gonna die anyway. they're, they're gonna well either they're gonna die or it, it's really sad it's i don't ask i watch weird youtube stuff i found an eas scenario basically for a nuclear war from the 1980s. And one of the things that was part of that was euthanize your pets and leave them outside. Really? Because what do pets do when you're in quarantine? They consume resources that you may oh. need. <laughs> so you're going to, so yeah. So during a, uh, once you figure out you're in a famine, animals are gone. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, no the new catastrophe that. aspect. Of this, here's where you know the Old Testament meets uh -huh. the New. I mean, and and we should talk a little about this because because uh, Bird and 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 you know the connections are obvious. The the ultimate new catastrophe was the resurrection of Jesus. Um, the, the you know died on the cross, humiliating death. Apostles scattered. Sunday morning, he's alive. <laughs> and nobody really expected that. Uh, they thought, oh, well, they thought anything he had said earlier was taken as a metaphor. Now he's walking around. Uh, and so we are, we, and, and so you can, you know, make it a retroactive, this, this moment with Joseph, the discovery that Joseph is alive, a retroactive resurrection moment. Um, but as Christians, we live in this reality of a of a resurrected Savior, of a resurrected God who who is human and is now uh, a, who who died and came back. And that uh, let's get metaphysical and say, uh, what are the implications of that? And and do we do we sometimes forget that the <laughs> to use the word again that it is a eucatastrophe? I th I think we totally forget it. Yeah. That's just me. Well, our, our faith is in that. And and we, we like you said, Rory, I guess we take it for granted, right? We don't think about it. We don't appreciate it sometimes. It's, it's but, we're complacent about our faith, especially here in America. Mm -hmm. Because we don't have to, we don't, we don't have to think about our faith on it, especially if you are middle class to upper middle class living in a quote-unquote safe secure neighborhood without a lot of things you don't have to think about your faith it it now i will say you're starting to have to think about it more than you used to just because of but you don't have to think about it it just kind of happens bill well i think uh, there's uh, there, yeah i think there's uh there's little um examples of things that happen they're, they're certainly not mountaintop moments, uh, but basically little things that come out. And, uh, for example, uh, I had lunch with a friend of mine, and I bought his lunch. And he always kids me about going to church. He goes, well, that's a church thing to do. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's little, little things. We don't have the huge or I haven't had the huge mountaintop necessarily experience, 
but it's a lot of little things that are indicative of the spirit in the person. Uh, now, Joseph, I mean, being an old man, you expect, especially with that many sons, and you're a and you're a rancher, farmer, whatever you want to call, you're in agriculture. You expect having all of those boys by the time you're in the later stages of your life, you expect to be pretty well set. You got your management team and the boys are ready to take over and you're ready to head off into the sunset. And then you have the nagging thing about Joseph that you don't believe your boys. And then you get the famine thrown on you. And, you know, life is supposed to be easier than that when you get old especially when you've done everything you thought you were supposed to do. So I can absolutely imagine that he was down to probably about the lowest point and was ready to pull the plug uh, until this happened. And It's interesting, speaking that, that Robert raised, to some extent, Jacob was in that position. He never had to worry about God. He had some of these divine experiences, which maybe should have wised him up a little, but you're right. He's again, he's a little like Job. He's coasting along most of his life. I mean, you know, he does, he does suffer some setbacks, but now, now he's, now he's in the middle of a famine and he really doesn't know where his future is going to be. I and think, if you I notice think up to then, he'd always got, Yes, he could say, oh, my, my wife died. I'm sad. I'm lost. I'm sad. But yeah, this is, in fact, I'm going to be, I'm going to be really mean here. I'm going to say he has, he's still got a heck of a lot, yet he's sitting around before the famine in a bad mood. Um, I'm, I'm not saying he has, he has no right to grieve, but this seems to affect, have affected his whole personality. Um, very hard to pull out of the text, but uh, Bird finds it. Um and then you know now hey you, you have god saying you think you think your you think your life is crummy now here comes a famine that's going to kill off half your livestock boom how do you like that now and then he delivers the the salvation from a corner that joseph had completely written off right and I think and, that's and it, the way God works. And and and, and it is literal salvation. They get they get they get new land, uh, a new place to live. Excellent. And with that, we're gonna go ahead oh. and take our second break. This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Bill Cox, director of Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men. We hope you enjoy our show as much as we enjoy doing it. But our ministry needs your support if we are to continue to bring our TV show, our podcast, our live shows to men seeking spiritual refreshment. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron of Man Up Spiritual Oasis. Get more details at our page on patreon.com. If you would like to support us directly, you can make a contribution through PayPal at donate at manupmedia.org. All contributions are tax deductible. We're not pastors, just regular guys. So whether you're successful or struggling, we hope to bring you the good news of God's saving grace as we share our own spiritual journeys. Please consider supporting Man Up and No Church Answers today. And welcome back, everybody. This is No Church Answers. I'm going to go ahead and uh, this is the third reading. This is Genesis 46, 1 through 6, and 26 and 27. So Israel set out with all that was his. And when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hands will close your eyes. Then Jacob left Beersheba and Israel's son 
took their father Jacob and their children and their wives and the carts that the Pharaoh had sent to transport him. So Jacob and all his offspring went to Egypt, taking with them their livestock and the possessions they had acquired in Canaan. Jacob brought with him to Egypt his sons and grandsons and his daughters and grandsons and all his offspring. All those who went to Egypt with Jacob, those who were in his direct descendants, not counting his sons, wives, numbered 66 persons. With the two sons who had been born to Joseph in Egypt, the members of Jacob's family, which went to Egypt, were 70 in all. So God reassured him, said, don't be afraid. Go down to Egypt. Um, and, and we get the impression from that, right, Steve, that the, uh, in fact, uh, Jacob was afraid of moving. But what choices did he have? He could have remained in mm -hmm. Canaan, right? And he would have had to keep going down, as you mentioned earlier, he would have had to go, keep going back to Egypt to buy food. And he doesn't have the knowledge that Joseph had, that the, the famine's going to last five more years. So he gets an open invitation to move his family and his and his livestock and everything to Egypt, and he will get the fat of the land. Pharaoh has promised him this. So so um, I don't know that it was even a choice. I, I, I think it was a choice, but still... Uh, that's like saying uh, you can have a job making 100000 over here or 50000 over here, and they're doing the same work. Which one would you take, you know? Um, I disagree with that, Mike, and only in the fact that he's old. And in order to get someone that is old to move, it's got to be by necessity. It, um, it's it, it's got to be something that is so necessary that he'd have to pull up the stakes and uh, move. Bill, if God told you to move, you wouldn't move. It's, it would be hard. He told he told me to move, number one. Number two, you know I moved at 70 years old. That's hard. <laughs> yeah, but he gave you a nice house. It's not It's not that hard if you have friends to help you move, Bill. <laughs> right. You haven't moved in a while, have you? But I'll tell you, it is hard. It was hard, hard, hard for me. I had to throw away so many things and give away so many things. You're correct. It's really hard because you have so many items. Well, it's not only that, but it's the changing of the habits, the changing of a person's habits, especially at that age. I mean, do you want to do you want to get used to new neighbors and new surroundings and that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. I, I can't I can't imagine that he wanted to. But then but the thing about it is Joseph was there to welcome him. So. I, I know as, as much as he probably didn't like it, especially being an old man, what a way to move. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm moving, but the Pharaoh's going to take care of me and my family. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I, I kind of agree with Bill. And, and, and even you, Mike, you admitted it was tough. And Joseph, I'm, he's overjoyed about the fact that his son is alive. And now... He's thinking about, I mean, I got to move. I, I got to get off of my butt here. And, 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 and uh, according to Bird, at least, there are some non-canonical histories that, that align with this, that Jacob made kind of an appeal. Hey, Ben, hey, 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 Joseph, why not come for a visit up here? Move up here, you know, bring some brain. That, um, that's not in, in Genesis here, but just by the fact that God appears and tells him not be to be afraid to go seems to imply that Jacob had some reservations. Um, I, I'm going to kick it because I think there's a real important lesson here, especially for older men, that sometimes you gotta you gotta move. Sometimes, except for Robert, right? <laughs> Robert's not. A... <laughs> That's his kid coach. Wait, you, over there. <laughs> you know, it, hey, hey, like, hey, I'm not that young. <laughs> I um, said, except Robert. Look at we that. left Robert out. But, He's but, a kid. But, He's Benjamin. <laughs> well, but 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 there are times, and but it's hard. But you know, we, my wife, we've we were talking so in what's today, fourteen. In fourteen days, we would have lived in our house where we live now thirty years. Wow. And do I want to move? Absolutely not. And we moved twice. Four years ago, we moved twice. 
out and back in and over a summer and we had people do it, but I don't want to do that. It's hard. Like, like Bill said, I don't want to make new friends. I don't want, I mean, not that I mind making new friends, but I don't want to have to go find new friends. I don't want to have to up, uproot my life. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable. We're, we're all creatures of habit. And I'm sure, you know, Jacob is the same way as we're very, you know, we get very comfortable in, you know, I got my nice land here in Canaan. I got the fam. I got the little servants. You know, I obviously have means and everything. What do you mean I got to go to Egypt? <laughs> but, the, you know, the thing about it is about the prodigal family, though. <laughs> you think about that. Um, here, he is going to Joseph. And Joseph, the son, is welcoming him back welcoming the whole family that's making the circle and i don't know uh about you guys but i know of some families where one of the sons or daughter was a black sheep and they excommunicated them for wearing their hair too long or being sassy or whatever and then come back later on in life that is the one that is cherished by the family, making it full circle. And I am certain what that, I mean, what that just says is that God never gives up on you and you shouldn't give up on your family either. Now, do I think it would be difficult to move to another country like he did? You bet your life. I wouldn't want to do it either, Bill. He, they, like you said, new language, right? New customs, new neighbors, uh, making a new area or or yard for yourself with your tents. I assume they took their tents, right? And then you have to create a uh, uh, an area for your families to live. No, I, I I would imagine it's an exorbitant amount of work. And here he is, what, 120 years old, 130 years yeah. old. Is that right? 17 years yep. to go. Yes. So, so, so if we use by the biblical numbers, he's 130. Yeah. And as, 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 as Bird pointed out, Joseph's first 17 years were with at home. Jacob's last 17 years were with Joseph in Egypt. Uh -huh. It's like Let two bookends there. Ask you all a question here. So, why would we move if God tells us to move? And that's essentially what you've aimed the lesson at, Steve. But I don't think we focus he, on that. Why would we want to move if God tells us to move and we're old? Maybe, maybe, maybe we're getting toward, you know, the final resolution in Jacob's story. Jacob listens yeah. to God. Jacob yeah. submits in yeah. his own way. He submits. But why he why limps, would he do that? What? He limps because, well, I think because he wants to. I mean, he's, he's. My grace is sufficient. The promise is sufficient. Once again, the promise of the great nation is repeated. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. God's never promised, you know, you're going to be wealthy. You're going to be great. You're going to have lots of wives. You're going to have lots. He, he's just as constant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or now Israel, is I will make a great nation. And this, by submitting to this, Jacob is pushing, is helping this plan fall into line. God's, you know, got the whole Joseph thing fixed up. He's kind of literally rolled out the carpet and said, Jacob, don't worry about it. Just, just, just go down to Egypt because this is part of the plan. And he does. And I think that's, that's the, that's the, maybe the point that he listened for once in his life. He paid attention and did something that God asked him to simply for the sake that God asked him to do it. I think he realized that in this particular instance, I'm just a spoke in the wheel. <laughs> and I am just about done my last useful uh, thing that I can do is to be a spoke. And and yeah, and after kind of pushing back against that for all his life, most yeah, of us God, has, he God, was, yeah. God has a plan for us. You got absolutely right, Steve. You hit it. 
And he has a plan and it's always going to be better than what we're in if he calls us to a new plan. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And he doesn't link an age to that. No, it's going to be now. <laughs> but I mean, this is interesting. So, yeah, you see, on the head. You, you, we see, and, and you're kind of there. You talked at the beginning, Robert, about the, about the household. We get, we get yeah. that round biblical number of 70, but you get the idea of everybody who's in the, uh, is in Jacob's household. And they're all, this is, this is the beginning. They're gonna, not going to come back until yeah. 400 yeah. years and they're going to be a lot, yeah. big, lot bigger. But I'm gonna, I want to stir the pot one more time just because I have, you know, daddy problems. Uh, and so you I want to maybe, <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to just point out to, to fathers, uh, to grandfathers, to fathers and sons, fathers of sons and sons. Um, God's instructions to Jacob are directly opposite what he told his father, Isaac. Mm -hmm. uh, in Isaac, in, in Genesis uh, 26, 2, he tells Isaac not to go down to Egypt. Stay where you are. But to Jacob, the son, the next generation, a completely different set of instructions. Something to keep in mind when you're trying to push a certain biblical tradition upon your children or even a biblical interpretation or even and i'm talking to to men who who are perfectly you know who are good christians and tend to be sometimes they may get wrapped up in their what their own mission and their own um experience is remember this is a case where god gave the son completely different instructions and advice than he gave the father well, my son moved to Austin. And by the way, the distance between Egypt and where Jacob and his family were located when they had to move is about 200 miles. Mm -hmm. Well, my son That's moved to Austin maybe 10 to 15 years ago, mm -hmm. and I didn't like it. I wanted him to move back here, but I had to leave it open for God, and God has so blessed him, it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. He's um, He works as subsidiary for Dell, and he's yeah. in uh, computer piracy and um he's just doing phenomenal so i had to step back i wanted to tell him god's not calling you to do that but do right, that right. <laughs> excellent and with that uh, we're coming down to the end of uh podcast 296 want to get some uh takeaways from the fellas um professor koshu i'd i'd say you know it's it's really about as we age and as we get settled in our ways, learn to listen to the different things God is telling us to do and pay attention to. Because we're we're all we it is easy for us to get stuck in our ways, to get stuck in everything about us. But it's just not a way for us to participate and be as human beings. You know, it's it's easy for us to do that because that's where we end up. We have to learn to listen to God as we get older. And I think Excellent. that that becomes hard for us. Bill? Excellent. Uh, Michael Cropper. Uh, Robert, you, you're so right on with that because um, if you listen to the Lord and you do what you believe in your heart, he wants you to do, you're going to save yourself a lot of problems. Um because if you don't, and he has a plan for you that you're not responding to, he's going to bring you low like he did Jacob and like he did the boys. Um, at least, or he will bring to you to a point where you have to reach out to him. Uh, I, I, I think I told you guys I, I went to law school, and it was very, very hard for me. But the Lord told me to do it. In my heart, I wanted to try trials at the end of law school, and I had not been part of the... Uh, uh, the the court forums and the student body and, and the activities where they try trials. And uh, and I said, Lord, how are you going to help me do that? Because when I graduate, I want to try trials. And most of the students do not. They want to be transactional lawyers. And I, and I asked and I said, and, and I went up to see one of my professors. Uh, I was taking um, a class on trials. And uh, I wanted to see him. And another professor came up and said, the city of Houston, and just out of the blue, and my professor wasn't there. A, a, another professor came up that I did not know 
and I stopped and asked if they knew where he was. And 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 another professor walked up and says, um, by the way, City of Houston is looking for a, a a an attorney to try trials and get to do courtroom experience with them. And I said, I want it. <laughs> and just at that moment, so you can either look at that as a coincidence, or you can say the Lord once again opens the doors, which He did for me because I actually got to try jury trials over there, which many of the top students did never got to do while they were in law school. So the the, the Lord opened the door for me many ways when He when when I came to the point when I had to say, you know, Lord, I don't know what to do. You're going to have to open the doors. And he did. And that's what he did for Joseph. That's what he did for Jacob. Anyway, Bill, Steve. Excellent. Steve Titch. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about those 20 years that we don't hear about because we're, we're being told Joseph's story. And I wonder at the end of the day, how many of those years were wasted by, by Jacob? Uh, now, I'm not going to make light of the fact that he was grieving. We just see him at the end of, of when he learns of, of Joseph's apparent death, that he, he wants to go down to Sheol, don't bother me. Uh, and he does seem to be grumpy for most of that time. He's become way overprotective of, of Benjamin, even though Benjamin's now a young man. Uh, uh, wants to keep him, you know, away from the other brothers. Uh, he seems to be stuck in a certain place. And meanwhile, the the Lord was working in spite of this. And, you know, he was doing his work with Joseph, uh, preparing uh, everything. And sure, it's it's great what happens with Jacob, with his so-called, his, his eucatastrophe. But how much time... Did he spend just, you know, distant um, in a place maybe that God didn't want him, even though God, again, continued to go get him. He had he had Joseph was not dead. He had a plan there. Um, and we can only wonder because we're not told it, it was 20 years doing nothing but hating the world. And that's unfortunate because as it turned out, I mean, it's joyfully turned out, but you also look back on that and say, look at, look at the 20 years I wasted hating everybody or hating the world. Um, and so, so I think those are some, those are some more, you know, some deeper thoughts you might say, but you see, I, there, there, I've seen so many people uh, who just spend their lives resentment, um, whether it's, you know, whether it's, it, it may have been caused by something like loss of a child, uh, but it may be something else. But God, what we're learning here is that God is still working. And although Jacob is limping along, you know, we don't know. He didn't pray out to God. He didn't cry out to God. At least we're not told that. Still, God did not forget him. Excellent. And with that, as we're coming down to the end, I'm just reminded of, I, I don't remember who exactly did, said this, but uh, the wise mind mourns less for what age takes away than what it leaves behind. And as we get older, you, you just have to understand, you know, uh, we had vigor of youth but we have wisdom of age and unfortunately you can't swap the two <laughs> and with that thanks so much for tuning in this is no church answers on behalf of uh, our producer mr steve titch michael cropper robert koshu my name is bill cox <clears throat> our podcast is available on apple podcast spotify or wherever you get your podcasts please rate our podcast leave a review and if you have a question or comment you can go to our facebook page or NoChurchAnswers.com and post it there. And if you're unable to attend a church, well, shame on you. Check out Sugarland Baptist a streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube, SugarlandBaptist.org. Starts Sunday at 9.45 a.m. And when you are ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate. And find a small group, ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class that you can join for Small group discussions like this. And find one that is men only. And if there isn't one, start one. This is No Church Answers. We'll catch you next time. 
You've been listening to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment or review. Want to know more about us? Then visit NoChurchAnswers.com and our Facebook page. Check out our video series on our YouTube channel. You can also become a patron of No Church Answers by visiting our Patreon page. No Church Answers is a production of Man Up Spiritual Oasis Media, which is solely responsible for its content. 